Hi everyone, it's Layla here, back with another episode of Confronting COVID. Today, I will be discussing the mental health impacts and challenges that have arisen due to the COVID-19 pandemic. With an unprecedented global pandemic, the obvious challenge that comes with this is staying healthy from a physical standpoint. However, the COVID-19 pandemic has brought a multitude of other challenges outside of the virus itself. Society took a dramatic shift with classes going remote, millions of people losing their jobs, and people being more isolated than ever. With these dramatic life changes comes changes in folks' mental health. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, 4 in 10 adults in the U.S. reported symptoms of an anxiety or depressive disorder in July 2020, which is up from 1 in 10 adults reporting these symptoms from January to June of 2019. Their mental health tracking poll also discovered that many adults are experiencing other negative mental health impacts, such as 36% reporting difficulty sleeping, 32% experiencing different eating patterns, and 12% having experienced an increase in alcohol consumption or substance use. Another mental health concern of the COVID-19 pandemic is the mental health of healthcare workers themselves. Healthcare workers are highly overworked and underpaid and are surrounded by COVID-19 every day with little breaks from wearing full PPE. They are working in war zone-like conditions with patients practically on top of each other in ERs and ICUs. They must face the grim sight of dead bodies shoved into large refrigerated trucks outside of hospitals every day. Due to their demanding work schedules, they also cannot properly care for themselves or their loved ones as they normally would. They face the fear of getting themselves or their family members sick. Some healthcare workers even chose to live in a separate location than loved ones during heightened periods of the pandemic in order to keep their loved ones safe. According to Mental Health America, 93% of healthcare workers reported experiencing stress, 86% reported anxiety, 77% experienced frustration, and 76% reported exhaustion and burnout, all while 75% said they were just overwhelmed. Healthcare workers also report feeling emotionally and physically exhausted, with 82% feeling emotionally exhausted. 68% experiencing physical exhaustion, 55% with compassion fatigue, and 39% reporting they did not have adequate emotional support. To get the input and perspective of a mental health professional, I interviewed Dr. Christina Wagner, a clinical psychologist at Putnam County Hospital in Greencastle, Indiana, and a professor of psychology and global health at DePauw University. So my first question for you is going to be, 
Um, what shift, if any, have you seen in the mental health of healthcare workers during the pandemic? Okay. Um, well, I guess personally, I've seen, um, at least in the work that I do, just limited in scope, but with the work I do, I guess the main thing has been just increased stress and burnout. Um, a lot of the healthcare workers I work with have either gotten COVID themselves or they've had family members that have gotten it. So they've had to miss time from work, um, which means then other healthcare workers are doing more work <laughs> to, to make up for the, the deficits in staffing, because at least here, you know, in Putnam County, a small area, um, it's not always easy to bring in extra staffing. We're already kind of understaffed to begin with. So even though, Healthcare workers here have not dealt with as much of the COVID patient population and, and death as what you would see in a more urban area. They still do have, you know, limited resources to begin with. And then when they're getting ill, that just increases that stress. Um, otherwise, like research shows us, like national surveys that have been done over the last year that Healthcare workers are reporting greater symptoms of anxiety and depression, greater use of substance use to cope with the anxiety and depression associated with the increased risk of working in this population or the increased death that they're seeing or the increased workload, isolation from their family members. Um, but I would say like those issues aren't quite as prominent like in our rural area because they're not dealing with the mass casualties, I guess, that you're seeing in some other cities. Sure. That's really understandable. Yeah. Um, and what do you think we can do to better support the mental health of healthcare workers, both, I guess, here in Putnam County and in more urban areas? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is just you know, expressions of appreciation go a long way, you know, acknowledging that um, these people have been working hard. Um, I know it's controversial, but masking vaccines, like anything we can do to reduce the spread of the illness directly impacts the workflow of the people working in this population. So, um, and there's great there's great diversity among healthcare workers about how they feel about the vaccine and hesitancy and these things as well, especially in rural communities, you see uptake is actually pretty low in this population that's had it available since December. But anything that we can do to follow CDC guidelines to reduce their workload would be a great benefit to their mental health. Um, yeah, so I guess those are the, the two main things I, I think of is, you know, just doing what you can to keep them safe, reduce their workload, but also letting them know that, you know, we appreciate everything that they do. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, and what change or shift have you seen in the mental health of non-healthcare workers in society? So pretty much everyone else. Like, like specifically since COVID? Yes, um, yes. That is a good question. Well, I feel like, I do feel like that since we've gone into this lockdown mode and we all had to kind of change our lives last March, I hear people 
acknowledging or talking about mental health more than they did before. Um, you know, on campus, I think I hear people more, I don't know, accepting to the idea that people are struggling and that maybe we should make some accommodations versus before. I feel like there was a little bit of a stigma associated with these issues that it was like a personal failure that someone was experiencing a mental health problem or it was an excuse to get out of work. So I, I feel like people are a little more proactive right now and um, trying to build in breaks where they can. Um, so I guess that's a positive thing to come out of all of this negativity. <laughs> and I think, you know, people more than ever are recognizing the importance of social support and interaction with others and maybe appreciating um, each other more than, than we did before. Right, absolutely. Um, and that actually led into my next question of, have you seen the world view of mental health or stigma around mental health um, change during the pandemic? And I think you just answered that perfectly as, and I agree, we have seen um, a shift in stigma. And it it is kind of disappointing that it took a global pandemic to kind of um, kind of escalate that movement or jumpstart that movement. But I am really happy to see more people talking about mental health. Um, yeah. and the question is, will it persist? Yes. You know, once we get back to things being more normal, they may never get back to exactly what they were before, but as they get back to more normal, how quickly will people start to overcommit themselves again? And um, I don't know. I'll be curious to see, like, as we transition to think life being more normal, um, whether people will allow the space to acknowledge and accept that that may not be easy, like that there might still be challenges mentally with transitioning back to in-person interactions again, um, or whether people will assume that as things start to look more normal, that everybody should be exactly as they were before. Because I kind of feel like this is a, a life-changing event that we're going through and would expect there to be some bumps along the way. People maybe won't anticipate that. Um, and there are certain populations, like this is really interesting, the APA did a stress survey a few months ago, and people were asked about whether they have anxiety about returning to life as normal, whatever that was pre-pandemic and going back to in-person interactions. And there are certain groups that actually report being very stressed about that or not wanting to go back to life as normal. And one of those groups, the group that kind of endorses that idea of I just want life as normal the least is African-Americans. Um, and so it'll be interesting to, to see if people will still allow for the fact that even if the pandemic is maybe behind us one day, that people may still have residual effects of that. Um, and there are certain groups, especially healthcare workers and people who have lost loved ones for which there is a trauma that, that they will forever carry. Um, and to expect them to just bounce back like everything is great, I think is asking a lot too. We'll see. Right, right. I completely agree with you because just as we had a change and a shift of going to 
um, you know, remote or online work and learning or those who lost their jobs or experienced any of the implications that came with the pandemic, we have been in this shift for um, over a year now. And that is a significant amount of time that people have taken, I'm sure, to adjust to these things. And then, like you're saying, going back into society again, I think that we all refer to that as going back to a quote-unquote normal, but it's really just going to be into the next shift of our society because people will have to get used to this again um, or get used to something else. Uh, so that that is a really interesting point that you bring yeah, up. Yeah, and it may not go back to the way it was before exactly, and some people may have a challenge coping with that, like never having their old normal and then there are a lot of people that didn't like the way things were going before right. that have things that they're going to return to that they're not looking forward to either. So. Right. What are your recommendations for taking care of our mental health on a day-to-day basis? So there's all the things that uh, I tell people to do that I don't do, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Well, oh, let's see. Hmm. What should we do? Well, I'm a big advocate for some form of physical activity, you know, so especially while we're sitting in front of our computers for hours every day, making sure that we get up and we move around and we get fresh air. I think these are all really important things. Um, research shows that they're very effective in alleviating anxiety, depression. Um, I guess, you know, it's becoming harder and harder to separate work and family and, and everything else now. So any kind of silly routines that you can do to distinguish those things are good. Like I listened to a podcast a few weeks ago where someone talked about how like they spend several hours like working at home and um, when they're done they go out and they just like drive around the block and come home and like announce to their family okay I'm home now like I'm done working like they have this very concrete way of like signaling to their family and their friends like I'm moving from employee mode into parent mode Um, and I thought that was a really (laughs) good idea to, to you know find ways to still separate those universes, even though you're doing them all in the same place. Um, I'm a big fan of gratitude. Um, So there's research that shows that things as simple as just journaling at the end of the day, like two or three things you're grateful for, um, can greatly, you know, help combat depression, um, even in the darkest times. Um, And then I would just say, empathy, like just realizing that other people are having a hard time with this too. Nobody's on their A game, that we need to have self-compassion and compassion for others um, and to try to assume good intentions, you know, out of the other people that that we're interacting with, whether it's in our house where we're, you know, getting sick of each other at this point or with coworkers or friends that we're trying to communicate with through email and just ways that aren't just effective. Um, I guess those would be the main ones. I could think of like a hundred others. Oh, I'm sure. People probably can only handle doing maybe one or two. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Right. 
Well, those are still some fantastic tips, and I can relate to a lot of those things, too, and um, trying to implement some of those things myself, I think, has, has really helped me, too, so thank you for that. Yeah, and finding opportunities to help. Like, I've found that helpful. Like, if, you know, rather than wallowing in everything that, you know, I think is hard in my life, if I can find opportunities to help others and kind of reshift that focus, I think that's a good one. Oh, and the other one is, like, you know, turn off the news. I should mention right. that. <laughs> like, like, it's just, you know, you don't need to listen to all-day coverage of the death and destruction mm-hmm. that's going on in the world right now. Right. It can get exhausting, for sure. Yeah. Like Dr. Wagner said, make sure you are making time for yourself and checking in on your mental health. Even if you do not have time or access to a mental health care provider, try to frequently take some time to ground yourself or support your mental health. Whether that's creating a routine for yourself, journaling, exercising, or just making your favorite meal, these little things could make a significant impact on your mental headspace. Also, don't forget to say thank you and show appreciation for all of the amazing healthcare workers in your community to support their mental health as well. Until next time, stay masked, stay safe, and stay healthy.